All right, welcome back to one-on-one, -on -one, New York's longest-running call-in sports show. I'm Kelly Bright. Alongside with me, I have Gigi Spear to interview the amazing J.R. Jackson. Now, I could take, take me, honestly, the rest of this interview to give uh, J.R. Jackson uh, the proper intro, but just a few highlights. He's the host of J.R. Sports Brief on CBS Sports Radio and producer of J.R. Sports Brief on YouTube, where he got his start. It has now more than 81 million viewers. He's had a very decorated career. He's covered the Super Bowl, the Olympics, March Madness, interviewed literally every person who's important. If he hasn't interviewed them, they're not important. Uh, he's worked for CNN, SNY, NBA TV. I could go on and on and on. But JR, I, I, I you know, like I said, there's so much, uh, so much we could say about your career. But first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us here on One on One. No, not a problem. This is, is what I do all day. I talk for a living, so it's it's not a problem. Thank you all. Yeah, definitely. And let's let's get right into it. The first you, you got your humble beginnings from YouTube, and the first video you ever made was in 2009, and you told Gary Sheffield to retire. And funny enough, that ended up being his last year. So I with the new with the way that New York baseball ended, do you have any hot New York baseball takes right off the bat before we get to that 2022 season? No, you know, I, I kind of try to tone down the takes amongst all of the wonderful things that you just said. I still broadcast on WFAN on on weekends, pretty much on Saturdays. So I'm used to listening to people's hot takes on New York baseball and I'm used to telling them relax, you know, so I don't I don't have a hot take. I, I think I have no issue with what the New York Yankees are doing. I know people have issue. Uh, the New York Mets, they're the same disaster that they've been they got a lot of holes to fill not just on the field but in a in the office as well and uh no you know in an ideal world I think we would have seen or at least for me being from the Bronx I would have loved to seen the the Yankees and the Dodgers in the World Series not gonna happen obviously uh so I, I have my fingers crossed that both the Mets and the Yankees could kind of maybe get things together this offseason and be competitive next year all right we'll see we'll see <laughs> We'll see. I mean, yeah, I hope they are successful next year. I'm, I'm rooting for the Yankees through and through. But I wanted to ask you more about your life as a broadcaster, too, instead of sports right now. Um, and so I was watching that interview where you were asked about Dan Snyder and you compared him to the teacher from Charlie Brown. Just went, 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 just talking. He's just saying words. So he was slapped with that 10 million and then he finally showed some empathy. How important is it for you to present the truth to the people and to see through the smoke and mirrors that people high up in organizations are so used to putting out. Always, always, you know, a lot of times, and this is how the world goes round, everything is about the dollar. And when you talk about the business of sports, when you talk about the business of anything, for the most part, it's going to stop at a buck. It's, it's not going to stop at, at ethics. It's not going to stop at what's right. It's not necessarily what's going to stop at what's wrong. It's going to boil down to the buck. And so my approach anytime I talk about anything is just really to be to be honest, you know, as much as I talk for a living, I enjoy listening more like if when I'm not talking, there's a good chance that that I'm reading, I'm researching, I'm trying to understand different people and their perspectives, because I think it it makes me as an individual, as a person more well rounded. And so, you know, when 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 you research and you see and you look at history yeah, it's easy sometimes to point out people who, without me dropping expletives, they're just not too nice. And he's an example throughout his history, just as an owner, someone who's not too nice. And I could pretty much lay out 
a, a lot of folks who aren't too nice. But, you know, my, my point was to always be myself as a broadcaster, to be honest, to tell the truth. Obviously, there's a there's an entertainment aspect to it, but I'm, I'm not going to say anything that I don't mean. I'm not going to rabble rouse. I'm not a button pusher. I just tell the truth. I try to have fun, entertain people, but then also, you know, kind of help get them through their day, whatever the case might be. Definitely, JR. And you, you've gotten to listen to a lot of people, maybe not so nice people, but also a lot of very nice people. Kobe, Pele, Usain Bolt, the list goes on and on. And I'm sure you get this question a lot, but I have to ask it. Who was your favorite person you've interviewed so far? And how do you prepare talking to people who are, you know, who are, have such big followings and who are sure. such celebrities? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you three because it's difficult to boil it down to one. And I think you mentioned most of them right there. Manny Pacquiao was my first big interview. And so Manny Pacquiao was one of my favorites because I looked at Manny Pacquiao, that, that interview as a stepping stone. I had to build up everything that I did on YouTube by myself. I built a community. I said, hey, I'm going to put myself on YouTube. What can I present? How do I make myself different? And I said, this is the internet. I'm going to ask people for their opinions. And so that's how I built community. I built up enough community that I was introduced to Manny Pacquiao being a friend of mine named Cha-Cha, who's unfortunately no longer here with us. He was a former boxing promoter. And he saw the work that I put in and he connected me with Manny Pacquiao. So that's my favorite interview because it was the first big one. And after you take that first big one, you could continue to build on. Uh, Kobe Bryant, one of my favorite interviews. Uh, Richard Sherman had a celebrity softball game years ago in Seattle that he used to put on. And I just, I've, I've met Richard a bunch of times, him and his family, and him and his brother invited me to Seattle to see their celebrity softball game. So Gary Payton was there and Sean Kemp and just all of these Seattle celebrities. And Kobe was there as well. And I was introduced to Kobe and it was fun because, you know, unfortunately he passed away, but you hear stories about Kobe, you know, conversations he had with other players like Devin Booker and Julius Randle. And everyone always point, basically painted him as like an inspirational figure when you speak to him. And I had a similar experience. Like he found out who I was and what I did. And it was just like, wow, you did that. And you started from your bedroom and this is what you do. Oh man, that's awesome. Keep going. That's great. This is this. Don't ever. And, and so it's, it, it means a whole lot more, especially after he passed. And then Pele, I met Pele in the 2012 uh, Olympics in London. I hosted a Google hangout with him. And then it wasn't just a hangout. He was staying, he was staying like the hotel down the block from me. And so I met him after the hangout and I walked into his hotel room, which is crazy to say I walked into hotel, Pele's hotel room, but he treated me like, like I was his, his grandson. It's like, hey, how are you? Da, 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 da. So those are my three favorites out of, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands now. That's awesome. I can't even believe all the names that you just said. And I, think, I can't either. Yeah, that's that's wild. That's wild. And um, I mean, I'm sorry to hear about Cha-Cha. And it seems like with him and Kobe, you got you got some angels up there looking out for you, too. And I think that's that's so cool. And and beyond that, too, it's so inspirational how you started. I mean, we're in the Bronx right now at Fordham. It's different. But um, I think it's so amazing, too, in the TED Talk that you encourage young people to follow their passions and what makes them happy and to do it and be an entrepreneur and self-cultivate for themselves. So how important for you, especially in today's world where the options in the digital world seem 
endless. How important is it for you to stress people following their own path and creating their own path mm. despite, despite limitations they might put on themselves? Very, very much so. And this is why I'm doing this media for the movement tour, because when I got started in, in 2009, I mean, teams didn't necessarily even have social media accounts or they didn't have a social media team. And we see where the world has moved. Like one of my first big, just, I guess, job opportunities to a corporate world was at Vibe Magazine. I interned in a marketing department. And so to see print come and go, or not go all the way, but we know where it is, to see print and then to produce and then work in traditional media and TV and radio and then digital, like digital is the wave, it's the move, it's not slowing down, it's going to move faster than when I started in 2009. And so I wanted to do this tour to encourage students and just people all over the country, I think I'm going to be ultimately probably going to 25 or 30 schools this semester, just to say, you know, what I did, I, it, it's going to be more common, and it should be more common. And even if you don't want to take the entrepreneurial path, you know, if you want to go work for a company or work for an organization, the thought process of just I'm employee X or employee Y, I think you're, you're, you're shorting yourself. And so I, I encourage everyone, whether they want to start a venture for themselves or whether they want to go work for an entity, which a lot of us have to do at some point just to kind of maybe even learn how things work. You know, you have to take a position of, you know, is this something I'm passionate about? Is it something I can stay committed to? Can I plan through it? Uh, being entrepreneurial, it, it's not just starting a business. I think it's also a mindset and how you approach anything in, in life. No, definitely. I, I think it's great to see someone who is like living proof of that mantra and who is backing up what they're saying. So you're definitely an inspiration. And you mentioned that media for the movement tour and, and your next stop is actually at our campus at Fordham University in the Bronx, which is where you're from. So how much does that mean to you to be able to come back to your home and give this advice, give this, um, you know, give this hope to people from your same neighborhood. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it means a, it means a lot. You know, this is, I guess, my first time really thinking about it because you know it's it's home. I I up and down Fordham Road and, and past Grand Concourse and Fortrain and D Train and the 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 Sears that was down the block, which I think now is the Best Buy. And you know, I have a lot of experiences. The Bronx is home. And so it's, it's important. And even thinking about it now, it's just like you, when I sit and watch my reel, I go, wow, damn, I did all of this. And um, to kind of, I guess, bring it full circle at the Bronx is, is very important because out of every single stop on the tour, and I, I've seen a lot of the country, I'm fortunate enough to see a lot of the world. I've seen more of the Bronx than anything, you know? And so to, to be able to come home and, and share that message is important. You know, if I sat in my bedroom, on uh, 222nd Street and in 2009, and I hit the fast forward button and say, hey, I'm gonna be doing a tour and talking about what I started in the Bronx. You're gonna be doing this at Fordham. I'd be like, hmm, okay, all right, sign, sign me up. So, you know, this is a part of the path and the journey. And for me, it's just, it's sharing it. And, you know, I've, I'm fortunate enough to have done what I've done. I've worked hard enough to do it. And, I, you know, any bit that, that helps make somebody else's life just a little bit better, I'm, I'm enthused about that. So coming home is real important. Yeah, we can't wait to see you. And I want to thank you so much for even spending the time today to talk to us. But I have one final question. So yeah, you mentioned you're going up to 22nd Street, thinking about what you're going to be doing in the future. What's one piece of advice you would give young kids 
to you back in the day, your past self, or just a kid now to get jerseys up on their wall and to be as successful as you are? This is this is a little bit of a preview for for, for Monday. It's it's finding out who you are, understanding who you are, what you like to do, what you want to do, working hard at it and not quitting. And I think that last part is is a big part too. It's like not quitting. You know, if you figure out what you want to do, if you're committed to it, if you're passionate, if you want to put in the work, don't quit. I think that's that's where a lot of people, people have magnificent ideas, they have beautiful thoughts, they have concepts, but they 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 want instant gratification. The world doesn't doesn't work that way. You know, no is part of the the process. Like don't be deterred, don't stop, don't quit, keep going. You know, you got you got to be realistic. And that's the first part. Like, who are you? What do you want to do? I mean, space exploration isn't my thing. Yeah. But I, I think at this point in life, you know, if I said I wanted to be an astronaut, could I? Uh, probably, probably not realistically. So I think it's just figuring out what you're interested in and see how you can make it a life and a career, something that can can sustain you and then just kind of roll from there. So that's a lot of points. That's a lot of advice. But that's uh, it's kind of first thing that popped in my brain. Listen, you you have so many career milestones. I can't wait for the next one to be you doing an interview from Mars. So good luck. I mean, if you want to become an astronaut, you do that. But you've you just accomplished so much. And JR, we really want to thank you for taking the time to come talk to us on the show today. And I want to make sure that our listeners know that the next stop on your Media for Movement tour is at Fordham. It's going to be in Keating Hall, the Rose Hill campus, from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. on October 25th. So make sure... Everyone comes out and hears Jared Jackson speak. He obviously has a lot to say. And this little 15-minute interview on one-on-one truly isn't enough time. I know Gigi and I could both talk to you for hours. I know we, we talked a lot about your career. would love to hear more about uh, some of your New York sports takes. I, I do see that jersey behind you is a Knicks uh, jersey. And yeah. we know, we know yeah. they've got an interesting season ahead of them. But <laughs> that's going to do it for all of our time today. So, JR, thank you so much. Gigi, it's been a pleasure. One-on-one, we'll be right back after this.